Well, it's almost that time, and uh, so we'll bring in Shane Metlin. Uh, and hey, guess what? This is the convo because we're going to have a convo that we may have to think about changing the name of this next year, won't we? Maybe. I see. <laughs> I was thinking it might continue to work because, for one thing, it, it's a conversation exactly. about what happens at the convo. They were originally going to name the new or the tentative working name for the new arena. I think was the new convocation center, kind of like HHS two for the new high school yeah. in town. And also, I you know thinking it over, you know, in college basketball, these arenas are a fa- part of the fabric of the program forever. Even when they move out, you, you talk yeah. about NC State basketball. You still remember Reynolds Coliseum. You remember Cold Field House at Maryland, Carmichael Auditorium at North Carolina. If if you named something about those programs after that people would you know it would resonate with people and i think the convocation center even when they move out of it even though it's past its time it's going to be it'll part of the fabric and the history of this program for a long time it'll be remembered uh, and i think yeah. when you think about maybe you know with the uh, big dog led robinson uh didn't they come here to the convo uh back in the day when uh, lefty was coaching the dukes and i'm pretty I, sure they've had some big games and big opponents coming in here and they got you know some on the women's side here to uh you know, wrap it up this season next week. Number four, Maryland will be here. Um, but, you know, getting into uh, tonight. Yeah. With, uh, basketball is here. <laughs> yes. It's going to be fun. <laughs> right. Double right. header at the, at the convo. No, no, no re- it's like it just, the season just ended yesterday. That's who you're hearing right now, or what you just heard was Shane Metlin, but I already did the introduction, so never mind. And I'm Jim Sacco, and I guess I'm going to be hosting uh, and walking Shane through this pod. Uh, like you said, Shane, the basketball season begins tonight for James Madison in a uh, something we haven't seen in a while, a uh, men's-women's uh, doubleheader uh, but, uh, tonight with the women going first. Uh, but let's talk about the men real quick. Uh, yeah, the, the women's game, is we'll, we'll touch on for a second. It, it, it could be a 40-50 point blowout, and there, it won't be that interesting until we see it happen. So we, we can focus on the men this time around because that should be a competitive game. And uh, that men's game is against a Charlotte team that was 8-21 and last year. Uh, they're picked to pick finish 12th in Conference USA this season. But, Shane, it's a much different roster than the Dukes uh, faced a year ago. Give me some newcomers to watch for the Charlotte team. Yeah, it's going to be a lot different look. They're they're picked to finish twelfth in the C or in Conference USA, but you know that people don't know what this team's going to be like. And when you look at somebody like uh, Jordan Shepard coming in, who is an Oklahoma transfer, who I think is going to be one of their key players, probably the guy that the offense goes through for them. Along with you know they're bringing in a freshman named Jameer Young. He's from up in the D.C. area. Uh, so some people might be familiar with him. Those two players, uh, they looked really good in their exhibition. They had a charity exhibition that was open to the public, so we know a little bit about that. Uh, those guys both looked very good against Georgia in that game. Um, so seven newcomers, those are two faces that are probably going to make an impact when they take the floor tonight. What what, what did we learn uh, about JMU in that exhibition game with uh you know, I don't want to say rival, but a, a cross-city team, uh, Division Three Eastern Mennonite University. It was an exhibition for both squads. And I guess, in, you know, first of all, what do we learn in that one? You know, I'm not sure we learned a whole lot about JMU. Uh, if you want to talk briefly about the, the Eastern Mennonite uh, side of things, I think they look pretty good. They have better size than a lot of D3 teams. I think that's a competitive ODAC team. So th- that's something 
you can keep in mind when you look at the JMU side of things that that's a team that should be pretty good at their level. But JMU also didn't show a whole lot. They shot the ball pretty horribly. You would expect them to shoot better, you know, was on that a just, given night. Was that just the first time, you know, in a in a in an actual game situation facing someone else in a different uniform? You know, maybe. Um, you look at what was available from their scrimmage. They played at Appalachian State a few weeks ago. They shot the ball pretty well in that game. They shot the ball pretty well in their uh, inter squad scrimmage. So you. you it's hard to say. Um, it was a case where either guys were going to take the majority of their shots. Uh, Matt Lewis and Darius Banks both were having off days, which if you're a Lou Rowe, you're going to hope that doesn't happen very often where they're both not <laughs> shooting very well. It happened to happen there, and it was against a team that, you know, even in that, the outcome was never really in doubt. But it wasn't the kind of huge blowout you might expect Against a Division three team, you look at, you know, Delaware kind of just, you know, ran Bridgewater off the floor last night in their exhibition that they played. So, um, you know, you if you're a JMU fan, you probably would have liked to have seen JMU just establish more dominance than that. But when you look at it in a game that didn't really matter anything to them, you look at the fact that some of the freshmen came in and did some nice things and didn't look out of place on the floor with these other guys. Um, you look at Zach Jacobs, who everybody has been saying since summer, well, Zach, Jack Jacobs has taken a big jump, and he's going to be have a good year. He's going to do a lot of really good things for this program. Um, after a guy who last year you know, still only averaged about three points a game, he had one or two games where he just didn't even get off the bench. Um, if he can be a solid contributor and backing up or playing alongside Dwight Wilson in the paint, that's a huge storyline, a huge key to this team going forward. And you saw that he had a double-double, 21 points, I think it was, against EMU. So I think he's probably you know, uh, ready to take a jump just from everything you heard and you actually saw it in person here in their scrimmage and that uh, thing. And now – be interesting to see then how he can kind of match up and change things for them tonight against Charlotte because that's a team that could cause some matchup problems for JMU. They're going to try to play four guards and, you know, big guys who can go out on the floor and everything. And that's always like a challenge for a guy like Dwight Wilson, who is huge, strong beast in the paint. Doesn't necessarily feel as comfortable guarding his man out by the three point line. I'm going to go off script here. Okay. Yeah. You, you mentioned some of those freshmen. Was, was there any freshmen out there who, who, used, who got significant playing time in that uh, uh, exhibition with EMU that maybe fans should be keeping an eye on? Well, I think, you know, you're going to see they played basically an eight-man rotation while that game was, you know, until the last few minutes of that game. And it'll probably be an eight- to nine-man rotation when Devon Flowers is on the floor healthy, which I'm expecting him to be tonight. Among those, you know, you've got the four returning starters who Lewis kind of started calling his big four. Um, you know, Lewis and Banks, we've already talked about. Dwight Wilson, we talked about. And then sophomore point guard, Deshaun Parker. Those guys are going to play a ton of minutes between the four of them. You know, those four guards will play 30 minutes a game or more. Um, and then we mentioned Zach Jacobs is also going to play a lot. But the fifth starter was Michael Christmas, who, you know, <clears throat> if you're listening to this podcast – you're interested it's in JMU not, basketball. It's not the first time you've heard his no, name. No, you're no stranger to that yeah. name. Yeah, and you know he's the 
the freshman that everybody's kind of been excited about. He's a guy who picked JMU over some offers from bigger programs, Power 5 programs, uh, and really wanted to be here. He's in the starting lineup, which is not a surprise. He didn't put up huge numbers in that scrimmage, but um, looked solid. Did not look out of place. He's a great athlete. He, he kind of finished that up with a huge dunk on somebody's head, you know, driving down the lane to end that game, uh, which kind of left everybody on a positive note. The other two freshmen who were in that eight-man rotation were Julian Wooden from Roanoke, who, um, you know, he had offered from Richmond. He was, you know, getting some looks from some really solid mid-major programs. But if I had to pick one guy to keep an eye on beyond Michael Christmas in that freshman class, Javis Harvey, who uh, wound up committing to JMU after visiting here last spring. Uh, his, his recruitment was pretty interesting. We'll go back to that in a second. But um, he's going to be a contributor. I don't know exactly how many minutes are going to be available for him just because that's a crowded veteran backcourt. But he can play, and they need somebody off the bench to play in the backcourt, maybe even you know help out the point guard position at times, maybe just get him somebody who can come in and just, you know, get off a three-pointer and maybe jumpstart the offense a little bit if things get stagnant. He's a guy who's going to do some nice things. You know, I mentioned his recruitment. He didn't have the, you know, big-name offers like Mike Christmas did. He wasn't – we're not talking about, you know, Oregon showing interest or Ole Miss really wanting him like was the case with Mike. But you look at the mid-major programs who wanted him. He originally committed to Radford – which is, you know, once again, picked to win their conference and go to the NCAA tournament and has been a real solid mid-major here the last few years. <clears throat> and he decommitted from them, so his recruitment was opened up in the spring and it kind of got a lot of mid-major programs really scrambling. JMU got him in for a visit here, and they won a big game against, I believe it was Delaware. And then the next week, he took his official visit up to Hofstra, another really good mid-major program that really wanted this kid. They really liked him. He went up to Hofstra. It happened to be the weekend that JMU went up there, and Matt Lewis went off for 40 points. JMU upset (laughs) Hofstra, and he turned around and committed to JMU. Uh, Pretty much, I don't remember if it was the next day, but it it was soon after that. You know, official visit to Hofstra. That, Lewis Rose smiling the whole yeah. trip back from Hofstra, I'm sure, that night. And so, you know, you just kind of have to look at it. If this is a guy that that level of program that can JMU at this point is aspiring to have the kind of consistency that Radford and Hofstra have had the last few years, this is a kid that they wanted to come in and really kind of try to help them right away. Even though JMU's got such a crowded backcourt, I think he's going to be a contributor right away. And, you know, I think it's safe to say this. Lou Rowe told me off the record, but he was, you know, smiling about that. Uh, What he said was, off the record, I love Javis Harvey. (laughs) 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 He's he's really excited about what he wants to do. The reason he said that kind of jokingly off the record is because he's also wary about putting any undue pressure on the freshmen, you know, especially in their situation where they can kind of come in and be role players right now. He doesn't need a Fab Five Michigan where you're taking over the program right away. Not when he's got the big four. Yeah, but he's, he's excited about those guys as much as he's willing to admit he's excited about them. 
Uh, speaking of Lou, uh, before he was hired, uh, the big rumor going around uh, campus and on Harrisburg was Ron Sanchez uh, was in line for that job. Uh, Ron is now the, is the coach at Charlotte, so he is making his first trip back to Harrisonburg. Well, we'll assume his first trip back, his first trip back as coach uh, to Harrisburg. Since that, uh, all those reports and everything went down. Uh, I mean, what do you expect out of that? Um, you know, I don't think it'll be a huge factor in the game itself. It's something that, you know, uh, might kind of linger in the background with the fans, things like that. Um, you look at, you know, last year, JMU went down there, got the better of him. So that's a big, you know, win for Lewis Rowe that he wound up getting that job after, you know, in, we should probably clarify that. The JMU administration has always maintained that yeah, there yeah. was not an offer, the job was not accepted, that, you know, it wasn't, although multiple reports, multiple sources said otherwise. So just put that out there. But, um, you know, it seemed like that was at least a possibility he was going to take that JMU job and then something happened and he did not and waited a couple of years, went down to Charlotte and, you know, Lewis Rowe took the job and it's been... A, something of a struggle here the first few years. I but mean, I, but I think, everybody will admit that. But I think you could say, I mean, could you could you say it's been a a slow, steady, you know, climb might need, might not be the best word, but a but a slow, steady build. Yeah, I think so, and I, I think that's why this season is so important oh, because yeah. this is the season this where they've, they've gotten to the point where, all right, you've got your guys in here mm-hmm. now guys that play the way you want them to play. You've got, you know, these experienced assistant coaches that come in and help you out. This is the year you got to win. And, you know, you want to start that out against a team like Charlotte, who is also in rebuilding mode, uh, is not, you know, in their in conference USA, which is a conference that you would just hope that you can compete with teams at that level at this point. Um, and it's a coach where, you know, if you don't win this game tonight, there's going to be, you know, a few rumblings from the fans like, well, we, we could have had that guy, you know. And even though you beat him last year, like, you know, that's the way fans are. There's always going to be rumblings. Yeah. Uh, I Now, Sanchez, uh, he was a, a uh, he was Tony Bennett's assistant uh, over UVA for, for a good long time. Uh, you could do a lot worse than hiring a Tony Bennett disciple for sure if you're looking if you're going to go out there looking for a coach and disciple. So not to get ahead to Sunday's game against defending NCAA national champion UVA over in Charlottesville, but he runs a similar pack line defense. So now you're going to see, you know, the Dukes are going up against, you know, we're going to have back-to-back games against a pack line defense that, you know, if you watch UVA or anybody that runs it, it's tough. Yeah, and UVA does it so perfectly yeah. that it's it's a different situation than what they'll do, what they'll see Saturday or not Saturday, Sundays when they play UVA on uh, my days after election night and everything. Yeah. Like my days are uh, completely. <laughs> Tell me about here. it. But yes, they play Charlotte tonight on Wednesday. That's going to be a different situation, but it's, you know, a, the same philosophy, the same, they're trying to do the same things. They just won't do it as well as Virginia. I mean, that's the bottom line, but it's interesting that they start out these, two games against pack line teams that want to limit the number of possessions on both sides where this is a season where JMU's coming in with a different philosophy. They want more possessions. They're going to shoot quickly. They want a good shot, but they want to get that good shot quickly. 
and they want to pressure on defense to try to uh, force a bad shot up quickly. I'm using the word quickly a lot, but that's what they want to do. They want to speed it up, and they're going against two teams that are going to try to do the opposite. So it's an interesting dynamic just to see, even as much as like whether they come out of this, you know, two game set, zero and two, one and one, maybe miraculously two and zero. Those are the possibilities. Almost as much as if they do that, it's a way to see if they're able to establish what they want to do which is going to be a key, you know, and it's a really early test on that. Like how much do they understand what they're trying to do at this point? Um, Cause it's all new, you know, what they're doing on offense. Um, they're, you know, Lou brought up in his press conference on Monday that they're just doing a lot of different things, even out of timeouts, out of dead balls, because they have Josh Oppenheimer in as an assistant who is more or less the offensive coordinator, it's it's completely different dynamic within the staff this year because Lou basically went out and hired an offensive coordinator and a defensive coordinator and is taking more of like as he described it more of a head football coach's approach where he like okay guys bring your side of it to me and we'll decide I'll make the final decision but you guys you're doing this you're doing this and this is your offense this is your defense let's see what you can bring to me and it, it it'll be a different approach. It'll be different. Just yeah, you look at like what JMU did last year, and quite honestly, they weren't as organized coming out of you know a dead ball situation. They weren't drawing up you know these sure to score out of bounds plays from underneath the basket the way a team like a Northeastern would. You know, just that's my honest assessment of watching them last year. So it'll be interesting to see how much of that improves this year with Josh coming in and running the offense and adding, you know, new plays, new wrinkles to what they've done in the past, but also just wanting to do that in a more speedy manner and get that ball up in the air. Like they said, the, every player talks about it is like, if I have a good shot, I'm taking it. And that's what they want me to do. And I love the fact that I get to do that and I don't have to worry about going to the bench because I took a shot. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if they can really establish that early on, particularly against Charlotte, because, it's a challenge for Duke to do that against UVA, let alone the Dukes, you know. Back to the pack line, though, if you're, if you're, you know, I'm assuming that Charlotte doesn't run it as well or as, you know, per, to, to perfection as UVA does under Tony yeah. Bennett. So, I mean, with, with JMU getting almost like a pack line, you know, light, you know, maybe uh, tonight, and then the turnaround to Sunday and getting the pack, the, the pack line heavy. And while I'm not, I don't, you know, I'm not calling an upset here over in Charlottesville. That's just ludicrous to do that. But I mean, does it put him maybe in a more advantageous situation to face this pack line, quote unquote, light tonight, and then get the real thing so that they're not? You, you see what I'm trying to say? So it's like they got a little practice session against it. I'm not sure, certainly not calling it a practice session tonight against Charlotte. Well, yeah, I mean, I would think it's uh, it's sort of like. You know, to use another football analogy, it's sort of like when you face that triple option team in the middle of the year and it's just you got to get ready for it and you don't know how to practice against it and things like that. If you face two option teams in a row, it's a different story. And I would think it would be sort of similar to that um, when you think about, yeah, they get to see it tonight against Charlotte. They get to see what works against it. They get to just, you know, get a feel for it. You know, some things – 
you watch film and you do walkthroughs and you do all this stuff and it's just not the same as experience it at game speed. Um, so that's probably the big thing is they get to experience at game speed and then they go to Charlottesville and get to take their best shot at, you know, the Kings. Nice segue, by the way, is we're going to get into that Sunday game over in Charlottesville. What, I mean, realistically, if you're a James Madison university men's basketball fan, what hot and you're going over there how do you leave the jpj with a smile on your face other than you know the upset of the decade or possibly you know the biggest upset in school history how do you leave that with a smile on your face you want to see them compete you want to see them even if things aren't going well that they continue to play passionately smartly that they're trying Quickly. to do, yeah, that they're doing what they want to do. You, you can go back to some games last year. They had a couple games really jump out to me where things went poorly to start. They weren't shooting well, and the second half was just incredibly sluggish. And that was a Fordham game up in New York, which was probably like, you look back on it, that was their worst loss of the season when you look at what Fordham ended up doing the rest of the year, and they just got smacked by them. And there was a lot that went into that whole trip, um, traveling around New York and everything, and I don't think gets talked about a lot. They spent you know hours and hours on a bus just waiting to get to a museum and things like that. And it wasn't a great trip overall, but you could see it in the second half of that game that they just was like, okay, let's get home. And it was similar down at ODU too, where they had a miserable shooting night. Um, and then the second half, it was a little bit of just like, yeah, this one's over. Maybe we can move on. And you don't want to see that really. I mean, you want to see them competing hard. You look at a team like William and Mary who played at J or at UVA last year and got ran off the floor, but they were still, doing that motion offense that, you know, Tony Shaver ran. They were doing it. They were running it. They were, you know, Nathan Knight was still getting baskets. They were playing hard to the very end, even though the score wasn't good. You want to see that out of JMU this time around. You want to see them compete. You want to see, you know, UVA is not necessarily the type of team historically under Tony Bennett that blows you out in the first half. Maybe a little bit more last year because they just had more offensive weapons than they had in the past. They won't have as many offensive weapons this time around. They'll have some newcomers and new spots who will have, like, they'll have guys who really have only played one meaningful game of college basketball in important spots. Whereas Jamie will have four guys that they've known they can rely on for more than a year here. So that, you don't want to look like, you're completely overmatched, I guess. Maybe talent-wise, athleticism-wise, in some cases you might be. Size-wise, you will be in a lot of places. But you don't want to look like you're completely overmatched just in the sense that you don't belong on a college basketball court with these guys because you're actually going to be the more experienced team in some regards. And if if your goal is to win the CEA and get that NCAA tournament berth, you're going to be facing a team like that, like this, you know, come postseason. Yeah, and you know, because if you're if you're the CEA champ, you're you're thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. You asked what JMU fans want to see, and 
they want to see this game because I had something I had asked to me, you know, during the off season is why isn't the schedule a little bit more intriguing? You know, Lou said he would play anybody anywhere. Um, and then we've only played really one big name opponent. He went down to Florida and played his other alma mater uh, at Florida. Um, so they were excited to see, you know, not just a big in-state school, but also just a big school on the schedule and, a game that's close enough that they can, you know, drive to, they can talk to their uh, UVA alum coworkers and everything about, so they wanted to see this game and they don't want to be embarrassed by it. Um, but it is a big deal just to be playing this game because of the way the schedule is kind of broken down, which, you know, Lou may have said that at his opening press conference, the scheduling hasn't been 100% in his hands. So that's uh, part of the situation there and, and what i like about this is that it's a series i mean it's not a one-off you know uh next year next mm-hmm. season uh the cavaliers are coming to the james madison to play in the brand spanking new uh what is it called union the atlantic union bank center atlantic union bank center we should come up with a nickname for it like the 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 obs yeah there's a lot of bank ones are already taken because banks like to sponsor <laughs> they, love, they love their yeah. they love their arenas don't yeah. the, the obs the 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 yeah yeah something the the the, the, the teller line i yeah, don't know i can't yeah. I, my wife's a former banker maybe i can ask her for some uh some uh, like lingo some. i'm trying to remember somebody like nicknamed theirs the atm after because they had a bank sponsor and i can't remember i like that but I like but that. it's already used so like gotta come up with something the direct because, deposit maybe yeah. you know the 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 mobile banking, you know? <laughs> yeah. If they're good, if they're making a lot of shots, it could be like the cash center or something. I like, like that. that. Yeah. Nothing, but, uh, nothing but money. Yeah. Uh, the, they haven't decided on a date for the, the 2020, 2021 game. No, I mean, let's, let's play guests. Let's if, play two people who really don't know what's going on. We have, Probably no. I don't want to speak for you, but I'll say we. I'll, I'll generalize. Say we have no inside knowledge on the upcoming schedule. Uh, if you do, Shane, fantastic. Uh, <laughs> through our sources, but let's play the guest men here. And I mean, how sweet would it be to open up that new place uh, with maybe a men's and women's doubleheader with the women playing at five and then the men open up at seven thirty to open up that place against UVA. Yeah, and. I mean, I can say with a certain amount of confidence and knowledge that that is what they're shooting for. It's, you know, it's not necessarily 100% in their hands. Mm-hmm. They, they would like to open the building with that UVA game. But UVA schedule will um, factor into that, you know, especially with the ACC now doing this thing where they play conference games on opening night like they did. So if they can make it work, that's – I don't think I'm – telling any tales out of school that that's what jmu wants to do it's just a matter of you know the logistics of it i wouldn't mind seeing open it with like a summer slam like the united center in chicago the the first event at the united center in chicago after they knocked down the old chicago stadium was uh wwe summer slam i wouldn't mind like a monday night raw or something like that to open up the the atlanta union bank and trust teller center that, that is a uh topic that gets brought up at uh games from time to time it should, what, it should. what will be the first event because it'll be something besides the basketball game oh bring I, a monday night raw please yeah please uh, t- people have talked about you know what kind of concerts they want to see and things and you know people are excited we can get off on a tangent here people oh, are excited go. about this building coming to town i mean i was at the harrisonburg high school football game a couple of weeks ago and uh the topic of 
restaurant. It was a tremendous blowout of a football game. So a lot of, a lot of side conversations were happening. Uh, topics of restaurants came up. I think, I don't know, it might've been a talk about the Popeye sandwich or something like that. And people were saying, Oh, we want to raise in Canes and Harrisburg. And I was like, well, uh, believe the plan is there's going to be one in the new arena. That'll be, uh, open, oh, nice. open, uh, I, I, unless this has changed, it's going to be open. There'll be an outside door to get to use the restaurant when the building is not open. It's just not just a concession thing. Oh, so, uh, I like that. yeah. And this, I can't say that with 100% certainty, but I know that was the original plan. I, I would love to see like a raw because when you get like, you get like a Harrisburg high school graduate professional wrestler, Brandon Scott, the main event, the thing, yeah. a former employee of the yeah. DNR, by the way, in the <laughs> circulation department. And he yeah. main evented against like, you know, Oh, I don't need Roman Reigns or something and, and just bring the house down. Yeah, but people were super excited about the Raising Canes, and then that turned into a conversation of, like, I'm tired of driving to uh, Charlottesville or Virginia Beach to go to concerts. Like, we need to yeah. have the concerts here in town. And, yeah, people are excited about this building. And if uh, JMU's winning basketball games, they'll be even more excited about, you know, 20 dates a year there. Uh, real quick on the women that will wrap up to the, the, the inaugural, episode, inaugural episode of the inaugural convo. I yeah. Like, this inaugural convo. Yeah. Uh, along with three wins last year. I mean, you know, just, you know, hey, let's open the schedule against a team probably favored to go to the NCAA Women's Basketball Tournament. Yeah. The, you know, JMU getting uh, votes in the top 25 coaches poll to start the season. So people who know women's basketball know JMU is going to be really good. And Longwood has struggled quite a bit. You know, they lost almost as many games as JMU won last year. Um, not expecting a particularly compelling game for this one. We didn't reason we didn't get a whole lot into it. We'll have a lot to talk about next week when uh, Maryland is going to be coming to town, uh, fourth-ranked Maryland Terrapins. So that'll be a fun one. Uh, for the women, you know, you, you get to see what some of the freshmen and newcomers can do. And uh, you get to see the four guards play, right? Yeah. I mean, and, if, that's, if that's the way they're going to go. Yeah, if you want to look for something for the women's game, watch uh, freshman Kiki Jefferson she was lighting it up when they went on their European tour. She's the real deal. It's more just kind of a matter of how she fits into this, but she's kind of the heir apparent to um, Kamaya Smalls as the go-to player, the big scorer on this team when Kamaya's going to graduate after this year. So it'll be interesting to see her play her first college game and how she fits into the offense and you know just what she's – capable of doing at this level, which I think is going to be quite a lot. I think she'll make a big, quick, fast impression. Well, well, Shane, thanks for joining us uh, for this convo. Uh, Shane will be on press row all night tonight from 5 p.m. until question mark. Uh, <laughs> so you can follow him on Twitter at 8, excuse me, at at Shane underscore DNR Sports. Shane, let's, let's do this again next week. How about it? It sounds good. All right, man, we'll talk to you. All right.